0: fighter guy, like slow motion fighting going on, he'd <laughs> be so badass, <laughs> that makes me want to dance a little bit, um, alright, well welcome
1: to the Art Fight Podcast, you uh, <laughs> like kicking a tree in slow motion, <laughs> welcome Sensei Joe, I call him Sensei Joe, there you go, uh, Joe Nolan so, and uh, yeah, Jared Reynolds, hello, what is up, uh, so yeah, this is all we do, we just play, so, we, we just, just reminiscing, this week we're this just reminiscing, great. I yeah. like it. But I do. It is such a, a. This is what's happening right now. Is such a perfect Nashville situation where it's like if you're our age in Nashville, it's kind of like there was only about a hundred. It's like we were in, we came on this wagon. There was only a hundred of us at the time or something. Yeah, we man. all knew each other, right? And so anybody that was in Nashville in the '90s were already you know sort of like oh yeah yeah
0: I know it was yeah, a that's talk. why that's yeah. why that's why all these other people seem so inbred because they literally because <laughs> it literally is it's like it's just like yeah. all the friends and family of the original hundred yep. <laughs> yeah that's amazing yeah well I mean you know so and strangely
1: most of our listeners are actually not in Tennessee huh so we talk about Nashville a lot and I yeah. suppose that Nashville is part of the broader conversation but we. Have uh, I guess most of our listeners are in California, so what's up, go. California? Oh yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> we don't write the script for this. Yeah, uh, but Nobody anyway, does uh, well, I heard Nashville's hot. Somebody told me hot. that, so yeah. maybe they're listening to. I was downtown. Hot, yeah, <clears throat> uh, wife and I were downtown last weekend to see Ahmad Jamal play at the mm-hmm. Symphony Hall, and we, you know, it was like we we got out of the Symphony Hall after seeing. The, you know one of the most influential jazz musicians of all time playing eighty nine years old this whole you know like sort of he plays like a, a chord and it makes you just want to collapse into a black hole wow. of, of crying or something you know it's like <laughs> just this really moving Sounds fun like yeah right yeah, exactly this is a party <laughs> exactly. and, uh, uh, <laughs> two tickets <laughs> yeah and and then uh, but we got out so we you know then you walk outside and, and for those not in Nashville the you know, we way this kind of symphony hall that's right in the middle of downtown but downtown Nashville is kind of a or actually is fully manifested into a complete shit show of just absurdity and um, and so we, we get outside, and what's happening is whatever – Country concert was happening at Ascend. Was getting out at the same time. There was like this weird Bermuda Triangle of awfulness that sort of descended on us all. (laughs) It took us like an hour just to get an Uber to. It's like it becomes like an escape from downtown scenario. And it didn't used to be like that. It was peep shows when I got here. Yeah, but even like five years ago, you just felt like, well, okay, I don't really love going downtown, but you could go to Roberts or Mm -hmm. you could go to a place and just feel like, okay, I'm going to a specific spot. I'm not trying to like get all in this right now. And I can get in, and I can get out. Yeah. Now, like you, know. you get stuck down there. Oh yeah, there's. I mean, finding an Uber on on those kind of nights. Yeah, you know, it's like forty like whatever bucks whatever or something. Yeah,
2: to even get them.
1: Yeah. Like they're they're uh, take forever to get there. So yeah, it was just all these drunk. Uh, cowboy boot wearing
2: girls balloon penises from the uh, bachelorette parties all over the place oh yeah we yeah it was gigantic wild. balloon penises but I I've seen a lot of those down band there. name gigantic write <laughs> that down, penises. down <laughs> yeah. okay. uh, I think I can make a, I can hear what that sounds like <laughs> GBP <already>. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well who calls it the right one of the writers at the scene calls it the uh, honky tonk industrial complex down there oh
1: that's good it's a great great way to that's definitely a thing Oh, I mean, yeah. So so you know and so I guess we should just talk about Jared a little bit uh, yeah. while he's sitting about right here in the right room here here, let's talk about him, yeah. like while he's just sitting here uh, face to face <laughs> yeah. like men
0: yeah no, but,
1: uh, <laughs> for the, for,
2: is
1: this a roast <laughs> This you guys uh, going to roast <laughs> it's actually an intervention
2: my wife will be happy
1: <laughs> um, but yeah so so uh, so Jared you are a lifelong musician and and creative in a lot of realms and also an entrepreneur and, and, uh, and doing a lot a lot of different things i think what's interesting to me and why i really wanted to have you on is uh not just because we sort of naturally reconnected because of a bunch of other things going on right now and kind of uh got together with some some business things or whatever but also I feel like uh, Joe, you know, we were just talking about this, you know, like we all kind of got to Nashville in the 90s. We're all part of this tribe. We all kind of had this, this sort of interaction with the city. Um, and really what it was was that back then you could be creative and be poor mm-hmm. and get by. And it was a real, uh, it was a real time. Mm-hmm. A- and a lot of really great things were happening. Uh, not that great things aren't happening now, but but out of that whole thing in that sort of late 90s and say like early 2000s time, uh, you were playing in uh, a bunch of like what have become sort of legendary Nashville bands type of situations, and then yeah. also, um, uh, you know, uh, what's that guy's name? Ben Folds. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little bit. The guy that's like I'm buying up all of Nashville. <laughs> no, but uh, uh, but you know, but you know, for for those that are are Ben Folds fans, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of you know. Uh, interesting sort of stories there, but but one of the things that I think actually would be re- a really good place to start is you know in our conversations one of the most poignant things I think that you've mentioned to me that I thought was most compelling was. Uh, instead of like, instead of starting with like, so take us back to the beginning, Jared. Yeah. You know, like when you were five, <laughs> did, you know, what were your influences? Whatever, <laughs> uh, Tonka trucks. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, but really, I think where I'd like to start is you. You were talking about, uh, and I'm guessing this is early 2000s, maybe 2003 or four or something. But you were talking about playing Lollapalooza. Uh, yeah, that would have actually been 2009. 2009. Yeah, yeah. So you're playing you're playing Lollapalooza. I guess when, I, when you said Lollapalooza, I just figured I'd push it yeah, back Bob a few years. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but so you were playing with Ben Folds. Yep. You're touring and had been for a while. Yeah, about seven years with him. Six, seven years. Six, seven years. So you're starting to get kind of, you're starting to learn the tunes pretty well. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then you're you know as you described it but i'd like you to tell the story a little bit more but basically you're standing there you're playing at lalapalooza you're living the dream everything looks feels smells and tastes like everything you've ever aspired oh, yeah. towards doing your whole life this is the culminating sort of results right like not lalapalooza specifically but just being in that mm-hmm. role and and all of that and if your, are you know 13 year old self could look at yourself at that point it would be like oh yeah that's got to be like Like it would be like winning the the sweepstakes to tell your thirteen-year-old self that this is what's going to happen, and then you're looking around and you're like, "I've got to get out of here." (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was thinking like I literally remember thinking like
0: (laughs) like I could be
2: like I could feel the same if I was doing my taxes or Mm -hmm. gardening or making dinner. It was it was had become such a just kind of a kind of root. Yeah, I mean, at that point, and you know, and and you know, as you do, you tour. You know, you tour long enough with someone, you know, a lot of the times the set list kind of, you know, you morph into kind of one set list that that becomes a thing. And so you know what's going to happen night after night. And then also, it's Groundhog Day. You know, you're showing up at the same place you played six months before, same deli tray, same people backstage saying the same things. I don't care where in the world you are. And it just kind of hit me like you know, this isn't um, getting me off anymore. Yeah, I remember playing, um, cause, you know, this was, we were headlining the stage, There's probably like 40,000 people out there, big screens and all that, cameras in our faces. Um, you know, and I should have somehow felt that energy and gotten, mm-hmm. gotten, uh, gotten some of fr- something from it, but I remember playing, we played Lollapalooza in 2000, I think four or five and, and we played the big stage and we had about I think they said like 60 something thousand people in front of us I remember walking on that stage and my breath being taken away like physically yeah like the first couple of songs like had to rain in my voice a little bit you know uh, what I mean just it was like wild like, you know it's just yeah. this
1: energy and you know and but it's uh, almost like you're an addict. Like, like it takes something of that proportion. Yeah, like, it's like you know, it's like I don't know. I used to just smoke a joint on Fridays. and Now I'm speedballing, yeah. uh, like because I just need something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I think that at that
2: point, I just kind of knew that it was time to to transition out of that, as scary as it was,
1: because um, I mean that was an identity, right? Was it? Was it? Um, was it a slow realization or something that you tried to keep from yourself for a while, like some sort of chatter in your head that you tried to sort of Suppress and then all of a sudden it kind of came, you know, came to a uh, uh, some sort of a pinnacle or something. Or is it something that just was a snap realization or what was it? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. I just, I had gotten to, you know,
2: I had small kids at the time that definitely played a role in it because I'm sitting here going, and they were yours, the yes. they As okay. far as I know, they were. we're not sure who the mother is, sure is. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. the, uh, you know, I. I had the kids. I was finding myself on the road, just kind of just after two weeks, miserable because I wanted to be home, and uh, it just got. It just was the same thing every day, and it was it was it was a tough decision to make because my whole identity was wrapped up in this. I am this bass player, and I play with Ben Foles, and I play with Brendan Benson, and, and you know, and and that was my identity. That that I, you know, trying to figure out how to shake that, it actually took me. A while to shake that and figure out who I, who I who I am. Um, you know, I I had also taken up um, ultra running, so I, I got into to running, and then of course, as I tend to do, I go to extremes. So I decided, you know, five k is not enough, and so I started running fifty ks and, and fifty miles, and and uh, that was my passion. It became my passion. So I decided, well, I'm gonna I'm, I started going to this running store and hanging out and buying stuff. And same way you would at the music store. when Yeah, you, absolutely. You know, <laughs> some of the running store buying shorts and, and you know, yes. half zips and gloves. <laughs> <or, laughs> you know, wind. Uh, Does this make me run faster? Well, yeah, windproof underwear, you know. The <laughs> crotch is like windproof, so, you know, freeze death. what well, kind of, now, um,
0: where, now when you're doing ultra running, is that, is ultra just referring to these distances? It's distances, but okay. it's mountain running. It's oh, all in the okay, woods. Okay, so yeah. it's like, yeah. like trails? Mm-hmm. Like that kind ultra okay, of thing? Running, okay, right, and, yeah. and, and which is just,
2: you know, amazing in itself. Yeah. Um, so that became kind of my passion at the time, and it, it really started, you know, superseding the music thing. Um, and, and so I decided I wanted to work at this running store. So um, I went and interviewed. I wore a suit to the interview <laughs> at the running store, you know. And the the, the, the the couple that ran it, you know, the 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 husband of the couple was is, is one of my best friends still to this day. But he always laughs about that. So I show up and they're like, but. Like we pay like nine fifty an hour. <laughs> like you're, you're going to quit Ben Folds to come work at this funny store? And I'm like, sure, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um So I had that kind of, you know, this this thing that was kind of lure me away that that I mm-hmm. wanted to explore, and that that helped me uh, get away. And 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 uh, you know, I, I went to grad school for like a month too. I think um, I thought I wanted to do that, but but um, yeah, and the music, you know, it it never left me. You know, the, there's still like no matter what I've done since then um professionally I still feel more comfortable around musicians in mm-hmm. a recording studio um it just it, you know those are still my people mm-hmm. you know even though I'm not around them all the time anymore yeah but uh yeah that it just kind of I don't I don't know really know how it happened but it just kind of became this thing
0: and I just decided mm-hmm. to make the jump and, and did, did you it. did you was there was there any sense of like Did you get to a certain—I mean, I understand that you got to this point where you're, like, on the stage and you're, like, going, I could be anywhere right now. Mm -hmm. I need to figure out what I'm going to do next. Yeah. But did you also have any kind of a sense of accomplishment for yourself of just, like, you know what? I've already been to the mountain. I know where—I've already found, like, the top Mm -hmm. of this thing for me. And I don't, and I need to find a different mountain to climb yep. now, that kind of thing. And that, that definitely, and literally, that, that's kind of what happened, actually. Um, um, I was on this mountain. No, I, I actually ended
2: up, <laughs> I ended up losing all my uh, instruments in the flood, and I took the money I got from that and went and climbed Kilimanjaro with that money. <laughs> so oh So yeah, I literally went and climbed the mountain. Wow. Yeah, I uh,
0: just needed a break, but. We had a big flood in Nashville in 2010, oh, and lots of musicians, because yeah. there's so many musicians here, and because so many people have to have off-site storage mm-hmm. for their gear, lots Lots and lots and lots of people lost. Millions and basements, basements. Millions, yeah. and basements it was millions and millions of dollars. So many
2: the great instruments. Were lost. I mean, so many yeah. like legendary instruments, and, right. and you know, we're lost in that. But yeah, and
0: also Jared stuff. Yeah, and my stuff. <laughs> Man, they were legendary. They were to me and uh, completely irreplaceable, but yeah. not legendary. Yeah, they're um, they're important for you, though. I mean, yeah. it is it is anytime you lose. And oh, it, you know man. like you lose the guitar that you played for 20 years even if it's just some Yamaha it's like oh, it yeah. was your Yamaha. It's like a phantom limb <laughs> to me still. I mean my 74 yeah. P bass I can still feel that. <laughs> than how many years but
2: I can still feel that bass. Yeah. I know you know the nuances are still there. Yeah. Um I miss it to death but but yeah, yeah I mean that that uh so I did literally go go climb a mountain. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I forgot what the question was in telling yeah. you
0: that, though. I was just asking, I was asking, like, you know, you're saying on some level there's this sort of, like, a, something of a negative revel- yeah. revelation about, like, the idea of, uh, like, gotcha. this doesn't yeah. mean anything to me anymore. But on another level, there was also some kind of a positive thing mm-hmm. of realizing, you know what, I've already reached oh, yeah. the height of my mountain. I don't need to do this yep. anymore. I can find something else at this point. And I think that's that made it easier for me yeah. to walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I wouldn't have been
2: able to do, you know— just about anything I ever dreamed of doing, and mm. musically, um, you know, I, it would have been harder for me to walk. But I, I felt mm. satisfied in, in what I had done. Yeah, and I, I think for a, for a little while there, you know, I was I was angry at it, if mm. you will, or just you know, and 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 I found a way to kind of, you know, over time, it just you know, find a way to, to get away from that. And you know, now I'm. And, incredibly grateful mm. for what I got to do. I mean, mm-hmm. like, man, I think I you know. I think down. when
1: you're in situations like that, you kind of almost have to manufacture an angst yep. to kind of shake yourself out of it on some level. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, a, um, I mean, I think people do that sometimes with human relationships or things, you know, like, you know. I think people do that with, you know, like your girlfriend when you're oh, 17, yeah. like, and you just don't really have the... I don't know what it is, like the emotional intelligence to really gracefully mm-hmm. evaluate mm-hmm. the situation and have yep. a cogent conversation. And, you know, yep. like, OK, well, I believe that we've rationally yeah. uh, talked about this and yeah. we have decided it's mutually like, that this should be the dissolution of this.
0: What does Paltrow call it? Conscious uh, yeah. uncoupling. Uncoupling. Yes. Conscious uh, uncoupling. Is that a thing? Yeah. yeah so. It's not a thing when you're nine, though. No, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or when in you're, my you're, case, 35, I think I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you just you'll say. We'll just burn it close with anger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah just, just find a few things that
1: irritate you and fixate on
0: them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I this will eventually right. sever it.
1: <laughs>
2: you have to manufacture some. I mean, I, I think I could go back and ask, you know, mm. most of the people I toured with, like, those last couple months, like, you were a real asshole. You yeah. know what I mean? I, had, yeah. I just said, you know, just, I was done. And I, I decided yeah. that I probably needed to be an asshole to extract myself mm. um, you know, but... but uh, but now looking back, I, I, I realize you know what I took for granted, and how amazing it was to be able to do all this stuff, and mm-hmm. people that I was able to play with or, or be around. You know how how you know what, what an experience to have
0: mm-hmm. that camaraderie. Yeah which you don't get in hardly anything. It's um. interesting, too, because I feel like like with a lot of fighters that we talk to on the show, it's like, like I was just just today, I was listening to this podcast where they were talking about this fighter, Damian Maya, who won a fight over the weekend. He's 42 years old. And they were just like, good lord. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's just like, god damn. And it's like 42, that's uh, seven years younger than me. And they're already like, it's insane that a guy's still fighting and able to do that. So it's like, on some level, it's like for people who are able to accomplish these kinds of things in the music business, Mm -hmm. it's not everybody who accomplishes those things 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years yeah. going, you know, for oh, most people, yeah. a successful 15 year career, you know, actively doing the touring and recording and everything you've been doing. It's like, if you can gracefully bow out of that, Absolutely. it's like, it's like, it's like, I got my, I got my championship belt and I'm gone. And, and, <laughs> yeah. That's it too. I mean, I, you yeah. know,
2: the writing is on the wall. I mean, mm-hmm. for, you know, I was a sideman. And I got you know Ben took great care of us, mm-hmm. and that was awesome. You know I I'll, I'll never forget that he he really did. But I knew you know at some point Ben and you know he had told me I'm putting Ben Fold's Five Back together, make a record. I knew that he was going to spend however long that took to tour that and make the record. I mean I wasn't ready to go hustle. I wasn't ready to sit mm-hmm. at Mercy Lounge and start trying to get gigs for mm-hmm. however much money. Um, and I just kind of saw myself. You know, at fifty, mm-hmm. and and thinking like, you know, what am I going to be doing then? Am I going to be riding around in a van? You know, yeah, for for two hundred dollars a night. I'm not knocking that. It just, I it was not something I saw myself as being able to do with two kids, and,
1: and right, especially if it's not even your van. Yeah, well, man, that makes it harder
2: when you're at the whim of an artist, and you're just, and, you know, it's not your ba- yeah. van, and you know, you're not know publishing. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I get paid by the gig, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I just saw that I, I, my future ahead of me is like, well, this is a good time for me to jump and
1: maybe figure out what I'm going to do next. Although How does I, I Ben do it in terms that. of writing? Does he ever, like when you were writing band, like when you were doing band stuff, did mm-hmm. you ever get like any, Were there was there ever any sort of opening up of that to sort of? co-writing credits or things or was it always no. just like the Ben the Ben thing
2: He, he it was yeah. the Ben
1: thing and, yeah. and, which know, is fine I'm yeah, just I
2: mean, curious yeah, yeah. He, you know it, it, um, the first record we did he had uh, a lot of the songs written already um, but there were some that weren't and, and his process for that would be we would go in and we'd kind of play along with him until he kind of shaped what it was and and uh, you know he he, uh, he would throw a, a scratch vocal on it he, he'd always sing uh Abe Lincoln was a good old man. That would be his like over and over, right? <laughs> and he'd seen the melody that he had in his mind for that, and then you know it would morph into, you know, the finished product over time. You know, the second record we actually that I did with him, we we were there and kind of like, you know, gave birth to it all. And, yeah, we yeah. played we played along with his his ideas. I mean, the guy can shit out a melody like nobody's business. I mean, it's it's an, it's amazing what yeah. he can do, and and you're just like, wow, he just. Where did that come from, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then he's on the next one, you know. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a fun process. Um, yeah, it got tedious every once in a while, you know.
1: But but always. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so there, yeah. I think it's funny that I. So now I can say that I've known and been friends with two of Ben Folds' bass players. <laughs> yeah, Millard. I mean, with, yes. Yeah, with Miller I mean, I haven't talked to him in gosh, like fifteen years or something, but. Uh, um, But the guys, that guy's a monster. Oh, man. Uh, he's way more talented than I am. I'm going to say it right now. Oh, hey, that man. guy is... I, I hate to say it, like, ultimately, he's, he's forget something. comparing him. to. Like, I feel like I was... Re- well, here's the thing. I, what I do love is when you realize something in the moment, as opposed to looking back and mm-hmm. realizing something, you're like, why didn't I understand that that's really what was going yeah. on? When I was playing in various things with Miller back in those days, I was fully aware of... The, I think he's actually one of the best bass players that I've oh, ever man. seen heard mm-hmm. much less played with the guy is an insane uh, sort of force and it's not about like chops I mean he's got all that stuff but it was more just like yeah. he just had a feel hey, and yo, a man. tone yeah and just an intuition about what was going on in this way where we could just do anything like we barely had to rehearse stuff yeah like we would just go mm-hmm. and he would just be like oh I'm cool man I'm just going to watch your left hand like just do your thing I'm like yeah. all right you know that's and yeah, he that's would just way, go oh uh, I mean, that's great <laughs> the rehearsal thing that's uh, i hate rehearsing too so yeah like, uh, man are... it's like how do you take the magic out of everything really fast yeah, that's
2: one thing i learned with bens we he just we didn't rehearse we just got up there i mean first couple of gigs scared the shit out of me of course but but um yeah, I mean in, we didn't sound check so it's, it's great you yeah know, but like well, you can't get, or, people you know.
1: that don't have people that have not played music live or are not musicians or whatever there's just an unmistakable thing that happens where it's uh, if if you're making everything rote and you're so hyper prepared prepared it just it becomes like uh, a, a, just another iteration when you're doing mm-hmm. it live yeah. but it, it, I would imagine especially in that scenario for you guys, any which way you can possibly manufacture newness mm-hmm. and spontaneity oh, yeah. uh, is so important, and it is like really the difference between like gas station coffee and good coffee oh, or yeah. something. Like the experience mm-hmm. is a hundred percent different. So I can see how it's really valuable to leave yourself that. But and one of the other things that's super weird—I don't know how I don't know Ben. I've told you this before because we come, we're from the same hometown, oh, yeah. the same period. Like you don't realize this. You probably have a sense of this because you're from Greenville, which is not terribly far from Winston yeah. Salem. He has so many lyrical... uh, Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's so many little details about Winston-Salem, specifically. Mm -hmm. Central North Carolina, but Winston-Salem specifically. And things about his accent Mm -hmm. that are so deeply identifiable to me you know yeah. in, in that way where like uh, have you ever been like just like somewhere else at, like in, you're in New York or wherever and you're walking down the street and somebody passes by and you like Joe you're from Detroit right so you just by, tell they're from the Midwest or you can tell like what neighborhood they're from in Detroit <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> there's that weird hyper localized yeah. language uh-huh. kind of thing that you can yep. really get mm-hmm. so of all the people I, I mean Ben is his voice and his speaking uh, voice especially Is so iconically the sound of everything and everyone I grew up Mm -hmm. with. And what I think is really interesting is since his music already is already based in this kind of super identifiable nostalgic, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, teenage angst and, you know, becoming adult angst and, you know, uh, that whole continuum as a theme. it just sits with me in this way that Mm -hmm. I I feel like is so I feel like he's talking to me yeah you know but uh, but
0: really (laughs) (laughs) this is a song called For Brian yeah (laughs) Uh, so I
1: just think it's so weird that I haven't I haven't run into him at some point because he's all around this place yeah and everybody knows him yeah (laughs) and like I don't know how I've never run into him but whatever maybe he's trying to duck me yeah well, he—I yeah. don't know how much time he, he. I think he spends some time here now,
0: um, but not anything like he was. You yeah. know, does he? I, not, now he bought that RCA studio, isn't that right? He, so he was leasing it. Oh, um, he was leasing yeah. it. Okay, but so that, that was part of the effort to save. Absolutely. it. Absolutely,
1: right? they to yeah. tear it down. And, and, and when I first started playing with him, a I little mean, context like, too for people yeah. that are not in
2: Nashville. Yeah, it was a—it was a gigantic orchestral room. Um, mm-hmm. from, from what I remember, I, I might be wrong about this, but I, the story I always heard was. Um, RCA built one in uh, somewhere in like maybe in Rome, and they think I think they built one in Miami or something mm-hmm. kind of similar. Um, Chet Atkins did everything out of that room. Um, this was during know, the era the the, the Nashville yeah, the Sound Nashville. when there's Country, lots of strings and stuff. Yeah, all yeah. that stuff. Um, and, classic you know, era, classic. Yeah, era. era. I mean Elvis kind of stuff <laughs> there. I think um, you know Waylon, mm-hmm. a lot of my favorites. You know, I'd sit in there and be like, "Wow, Jerry Lee Lewis." Um, but you know, when when he first came to town, it was for lease, mm-hmm. and um, when he first moved here, uh, and so he just picked it up. And I mean, it literally it was our clubhouse. And it's funny, I went in fun. there. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, you get this place we can go to to just listen to music or hang out and. Uh, I went there recently, and it's it's so done up, you know. It's, it's got the couch, nice couches. I mean, literally, we had like folding chairs and like mm-hmm. you know one of your dorm room refrigerators <laughs> in and a really shitty couch in the control room, That's and that great. was it. It was just pianos and our gear, and, yeah. and you know, no frills yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Um. But it was so fun to to have that place because
0: mm-hmm. we, we could just go in anytime we wanted. And, and what is, is it now? Like a place people can go visit, or so what is it now? Dave Cobb. Um, Oh, he took. Yeah, it over. he took. You yeah, know, yeah, the okay, guy yeah, produces yeah. his
2: Bell and, and all those guys. So okay. it's, it's kind of his. I, I'm, oh, I wasn't aware his, of that. It's okay, his place cool. now. Um, and you know, Ben. You know, thank thank God, Ben made an effort to to save that place because right. it would have gotten torn down. It was about to be torn down. And yeah. here's
0: this beautiful room that. You know. Yeah, and like you say, it's, not, it's unusual. It's not like just any old recording no. studio. It's a big-ass room. You can put Huge. a whole bunch you of musicians could do, in. You could
2: put a basketball game in there. <laughs> you, I mean, you could, could, could record could, a basketball yeah, game. Yeah, in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> double vinyl. Um, oh, it's, we I'm we writing that down. Double yeah. dribble. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we recorded... A, uh, we recorded MySpace, if anybody remembers that, they did like MySpace Live, mm-hmm. and, and we were the first band to do that. I mean, wow. they, they brought a brought a like crane boom in there and everything. I mean, mm-hmm. room for a huge audience. Was, that place is humongous. Mm-hmm. Is the hardest thing about that room is is hard is I've always found it difficult when I would record other bands to make it sound dirty. Uh, I would record like garage rock bands in there and I had to really figure out how to like, yeah. it was just very clean. Just, and, yeah, and, yeah, know, yeah. Pristine sounding, you know. Yeah, so no sure. acoustic,
1: like you're like, what if we just hung tinfoil
0: everywhere? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I find it to be unnerving. I find that like, that, that atmosphere of like the ice cold fucking crypt silent studio. Yeah. I just find it to be so unnerving. And yeah, it's I, like, it's like, I really, I really love recording in like, my buddy's attic where i can you know they, they, we don't hear the cars on the mics but i yeah. can hear them <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. and it just feels <laughs> like we're just playing music yeah. and we're capturing it you know but it's oh, that, yeah. that that like antiseptic sanitized it's studio it's like okay ready mm-hmm. go Yeah, no, <laughs> it is
2: There's the one of the records we made there i had a. Uh, I had monitors brought in. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't use headphones. I just put monitors in front of it. Uh, that's hilarious. Just play along with monitors. Like, uh-huh. I was like, okay, I'll make it feel like a live show, right? If
0: I can, and yeah, it's always more fun. But but one hundred percent. But uh, when yeah. you guys would record, how much would you guys record just as a unit in the room, or would you guys record a lot of overdubs, or how we, would you make it? We recorded live. That's cool. Most of that the helps time. too, man. Um, and and, yeah. and a lot. I'm sure. Would you guys like? Would you guys be working stuff into the show that would end up on the album and stuff like that?
2: Yeah, our yeah. second we did a record called way to normal um and it came out in like 2008 uh and just about every song on that came from stuff we made up on on stage we would uh every night we'd make we just make songs up and we got to where we had played together well, that's cool. so much that we you know I, I could anticipate what ben was gonna do and 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 you know lindsey or sam that whichever drummer it was same thing and so we recorded every show, and and you know our sound guy would go listen to them. And we, when we were getting ready to make that record, he just put a bunch of those songs on on CD at the time, I guess. And, yeah, and cool. We we you know Ben took snippets of those songs he made up and and uh, on stage, and we turned them into to songs. Like I think the vast majority of them were, were came from. You know, their genesis was on stage mm-hmm. from, goof, from goofing. Yeah, from totally goofing.
1: I mean, it was goofy. I mean, we yeah. we, we, we were we were as goofy. So, as like, that. A, uh, I have to ask some really just pedestrian bullshit questions. But I love it. Um, so, in terms of that repertoire, what was the uh, what was the stuff that you resonated with the most, or or? Enjoyed playing the most before you lost your shit. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a good way to put it.
2: Um, <laughs> when it was good, yeah, when it was good. Um, I'm just kidding. I mean, I liked any of the 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 rock and roll shit. You know, you know, I played a fuzz bass, and in that arena, I was allowed to get really stupid on the bass. You know yeah. what I mean? It, yeah, it yeah. wasn't just your basturbation. Oh yeah, absolutely. Ben told me like, uh, you know, right when I got the gig, he's like, man, just you know turn the fuzz up and play like Hendrix. I'm like, yeah, it's easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm Hendrix, of course.
1: Yeah. But, um, but I know what he's saying. It's sort yeah. of like, like you have a lot of room and there's not yes. a guitar player. I mean, he's so. got such a heavy left yeah. hand.
2: Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And, you know, yeah. I had a lot, tons of room to play around that. And then I also like, you know, if I didn't use a pick, you'd never hear me with his left hand. Um, but, you know, I liked all the, all the, 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 the rock stuff we did, um, and, and you know, I go back and listen to the first record we did, and, and man, it, it's great. You know, at the time I was kind of like, oh, you know, it's you play on a record, get tired of it, but um, yeah, anything where I was allowed to crank up the fuzz and, and go to town, I, I loved. because um, yeah. we made a record. My favorite thing I ever did with him, and he might agree. I think I know Sam, the drummer. We we decided to, <laughs> we had we had a record coming out, and we knew it was going to leak. So we decided we were going to um, make a fake record and leak it as if it was the new record. And so we took all the titles <laughs> from the real record and we were, we flew uh, from Germany to, to Dublin and on that flight, like it was like here are your two titles, here are your two titles. And we just wrote the worst lyrics you can think of. It's the weakest shit you could ever come up with. And we got a studio in Dublin and we spent, man, from eight o'clock at night to like five in the morning. And we cut seven songs in this tiny little room, this tiny, like, upstairs, like, one room studio. Um, And, man, it was fun. And and I still, it's probably my favorite. It was so raw and, and just nasty and, and, uh, I still love that more than anything we did. The fake, we ended up playing those fake songs as much as we played any of the real songs. We just Loved it. People <laughs> we were just like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> See, that's,
1: yeah. that's 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 not a usual, a, a very common band situation. No, it, yeah. it is, and it was, it was, it was as fun as it is. It is cool that like to be to be doing something on that level, but they're all it's all predicated on self-deprecation and humor oh, yeah. and and we know, at that being silly so I, I think that that probably makes it a lot more fun than doing something that's real heady and oh yeah you know super I mean not that it's not heady I mean it's it's challenging music mm-hmm. you guys, what you guys were doing was not like a joke yeah but all in this kind of you know sort of skateboard punk rock kind of mm-hmm. seventh grade ethos. Yeah, it's a punk thing, that you know. sort of always was sort of bubbling at the bottom of it
2: that yeah. made kind of everything okay. Well, he didn't have a fear of like you know I play with artists that you get the stink eye. You know, you're playing you know wherever you're playing and you know you're gonna you're gonna fuck up at some point when you play lots of gigs and you know that artist will throw you the stink eye. Ben, one thing I, I, I thought was so refreshing, Ben, he didn't give a shit. I mean, like, we challenge each other <laughs> to mess up, really, like, yeah. try to throw each other <laughs> off, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was liberating as could be, because I wasn't sitting here worried, like, oh, if I mess up, he's going to, you know. Yeah. He's going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get fired. James I, Brown, yeah. James yeah, Brown's exactly. going to find you. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, and that was <laughs> Buddy Rich, but at Rich is that gonna level. Break your arm. Yeah, Buddy, buddy, buddy <laughs> Rich. <laughs> yeah,
0: set
1: you
2: on fire. Yeah. Um <laughs> But yeah, you know, at that, to do it at that level and have that kind of freedom, because I'd play with so many other artists that weren't at that level, but man, they'd notice every little thing you did wrong, you know, and, and, and
1: that doesn't there's, make for There's me something universal in that, I think. Like, this whole idea that it's always the people that are not there that are so concerned about, like, their appearance or, oh, yeah. or making good, like, like they... they they're consumed with that kind of hypercritical kind of uh, thing. Absolutely. And I, I do think that that like when you get to the highest levels, a lot of that stuff you're you're free of that. You're, you know, you can you can kind of see that people are not consumed with all that kind yeah. of shit.
2: And I think those artists. I mean, I wouldn't say. I mean, artists tend to be insecure, but yeah. but I think those artists have made it that level are able to. The ones that are able to not take themselves so seriously. Um, you know, there might be more of a security there. I've already, I'm already here, right? I'm at this level. Uh-huh. The people that aren't are are scared of everything. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, sometimes not all. Yeah. Uh, but but it's easy to be scared of that because you know what happens. I think it just gets lost in this. You know, the big picture is nobody's gonna give a shit mm-hmm. if the bass player misses a note. But yeah. We can, you know, people can get hyper sensitive to that kind of stuff. Right. And, and, You know, it's a career maker. I think it's one of
0: those things, too, where if you if you play any amount of music at all, you learn really quickly that it's like. Um, you know I heard that and you heard that but no person off the stage would Man. ever fucking know Absolutely. that that was even close to wrong you know what I mean and there's, that's one of the things that's kind of fun about like having Facebook and YouTube and stuff like that nowadays is you can like go back and like listen to that song because somebody put it on Facebook or whatever and it's like oh yeah that sounds fucking amazing oh yeah, <laughs> yeah you know? nobody can tell that, that <laughs> yeah. I played the uh-huh. the wrong chord there it's totally <laughs> yeah. right. we, left, we
2: left fuck ups on on some of those records mm-hmm. or those songs where
0: I mean well, I'm, listen to the fucking Beatles albums oh well, man. man yeah absolutely <laughs> and, and that's where to
2: me that is so refreshing yeah um, and, and I think that's where rock and roll kind of lost the plot when oh, yeah. it turned in this like we have to get it so perfect mm-hmm. um, you know my favorite records I mean like The Kinks I mean that shit was so out of tune sometimes <laughs> man it's magical right yeah um, and, and I think that that, that really uh, you just put a damper on on mm-hmm. the whole spirit of it yeah um, mm-hmm. And those artists who are able to kind of let that go, I think, can really shine. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, it just it turns into like you're just tweaking everything,
1: mm-hmm. you know, to the nth degree. And then,
2: then what I do you got, like, you know? All, all the life is sucked
1: out of it mm-hmm. at that point. I feel like that's the case for... A, you can probably draw that correlation across a lot of forms of art and media. Um, and, I, and it's ultimately, I think, a consequence of technology. Yep. And if in the big picture you really look at it, I think that we're walking... A path that will get us away from that eventually mm-hmm. but right now we're so dazzled by the perfection that can be had uh, or concocted through editing or whatever yeah. i mean because i even remember even you know yeah like sort of 2000s when uh i mean everything was digital but it hadn't gone fully crazy mm-hmm. but people were already like so deep into the pro tools oh, yeah. uh, capabilities and i just i just always was trying to find ways to uh kick people out of that like Mm -hmm. i used to to do some rude shit to people and (laughs) then like when i like in my studio i would there was this one singer that was uh that i was doing a a band i was doing a record for with and the singer was just i mean wanting to do take after take after take and it was all like we we can you know we can do this all day man but like it's all good just Calm down, Jesus Christ! Yeah. Like you're, I don't, know, <laughs> like uh, I don't know. Like your worst is really good, so just chill. And it, uh, I got to the point where what I started doing was um, I started piping. Uh, Wesley Willis songs, That's awesome. <laughs> into one of his only one channel on yeah. his monitoring headphones while they he was love tracking, that. <laughs> and then it became this thing where he was trying to compete to see if like with with the with the control room to yeah. see if like he if we could throw him off or not. Yeah, gotcha. And we ended, huh. up, we ended up using takes and parts of takes, I guess, that um where he was being fed Wesley Willis That's, into one of his ears man. and trying to stay on track. But there was something about that that yeah. got him settled you had to you had to create this kind of weird diversion or challenge to get him to because then it just became like can I pull this off with all these distractions as opposed Mm -hmm. to like me hyper analyzing every little grain of my voice through this process Mm -hmm. and then the other thing I did too was like I I would uh, there's probably a reason why I don't do this anymore I think people didn't like working (laughs) with me Um, but I used to just tell people like uh, we'll just like vocals just do it in one take yeah you're gonna like good enough for everybody that came before you mm-hmm. before all these yeah I mean I'm not saying that people didn't overdub and I'm not saying Brian Wilson didn't like have yeah. walls of tape you know and splices everywhere but ultimately if you can't sing a song in a studio and deliver a performance and sing that song from the beginning to the end and it not be good enough yeah. then you shouldn't even be doing what you shouldn't be making a record and right that's, now that's like 90 of people making records right now i mean if you yeah. think about it yeah. like that's kind of what where mean, i'm getting at yeah. yeah it's like there is this threshold now you you yeah i mean you've got you've
2: got limitless possibility in the studio now and so you know that that that's i think that's an awful thing yeah uh, you know one of the things i always like jack white would talk about how he limited himself in the studio. Who's Jack? Um, who? Jack? <laughs> Jack White? <laughs> you might have heard of him. He was in. He Did like minutes. make a biscuit mix <laughs> yeah. or something? Or Jack <laughs> White's biscuit mix, or like a flower?
1: Uh, Did he do? Like... Yeah, that's. I bet he'd probably make a good biscuit. Right, you know, Actually, I, should... I bet he makes artisanal biscuit <laughs> mix, and you can get it over at Third Man right now. <laughs> Loretta Lynn's, um, yeah, you know, but he always would
2: talk about how he limit, you know, he would limit himself in the studio, and you know, his studio at the, at the time didn't have Pro Tools, and, 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 and I think that that led for a lot of that ex- led to a lot of that excitement in his records, yeah. you know, and I, and that had that rock and roll spirit, whether you like it or not, it's uh, you know, that stuff has has a, an amazing spirit to it, an energy, um, yep. yeah, I mean, like I'm trying to think of people and like. You know, I've heard a can go in, and of course she probably can knock out one take. But you know, back in the day, you had to you had to bring it, yeah. And that was it because there was expensive. no fixing it. Yeah, it was expensive, and you really it was hard to fix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you were the weak link, man, I mean, bring in another link, right? Yeah. Whereas now it's like fix everything. <laughs> it's like it's that. like well,
1: we can't fire her; she's really beautiful. Yeah. So we've got to
2: work with this. Yeah, absolutely. So we can just Pro the living shit. Pro Tools the living shit out of it. and Yeah. And uh, you know we got a singer all of a sudden, uh, and now they do it live. I mean, they
1: run it through through that shit live too, processed, and don't have to. Yeah, we've uh, entered a whole new—it's crazy—realm. I, I try not to be all sour about stuff yeah. like that, but at the same time, it is sort of like uh, like what's been lost. I don't know, so, Joe, when you're using autotune in your performances, do you <laughs> find it? Do you find like, it to be a hindrance or?
0: No, I find it to be like an, another instrument that I've oh, learned how to play. That's great. You and Cher. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think you can blame it all on share too, that, that whole. Um, it's, I think it's kind of fun the way, like, I mean, it got, I mean, it's been just destroyed because it's been used so much, yeah. but I kind of like the fact that, that it didn't take hardly any time for somebody to be like, this is a cool effect. Oh like, yeah. Like, fuck what this is for. It's yeah. cooler if you just listen to it, try to yeah, <laughs> is the future is a future that does yeah, all, yeah. Yeah, all, all the, all the, all the, all the stuff. But I mean, it's obviously a, a gimmick that was, that had a short life, yeah. but it was there for a minute. I think <laughs> It's still very much there. It's become
1: like a part of the stable of aesthetic. Yeah, It's like an expectation that that's,
0: you got to have mm-hmm. it on there. Part of the feel now. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's just like a, a it's voice. It's pretty, thing. it's really funny, I think. Cause I mean, in the, you know, in the early days of that, like, like plugins like that coming into play and stuff for so many of them, they weren't they weren't necessarily as subtle as they needed to be, and the real yeah. challenge was dialing things in. You know, like with your with equaliz, equalizer, you know, input. I mean, uh, plugins or anything else, whatever you were using, it was like it. They were hard. There was like a lack lack of subtlety in the early days, and you they would sound like either smashed to the fucking yeah. length, compressed, or yeah. or it didn't sound like you were doing anything. Yeah, you yeah. know, and with that stuff, it was really hard to make it sound natural and things like that. And it was just like, well, what if we just say. Fuck that and make it sound totally unnatural. Yeah. We used to call it the wishmaker. Like, run up to the wish maker. <laughs> yeah, run um, through the wishmaker. Yeah, run up through the wishmaker. Yeah, that's,
2: uh, uh, that's a, my friend R.S. Field, an amazing producer. That's what he used to call it. Like, run it through the wishmaker. But mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. I don't like to shit on all that either because I think, you know, it, it can be used, you know, in a hundred percent. Technology, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I don't want to be that old guy because I remember when Pro Tools came out. Everybody was like, you know what's this shit? You know, yeah. and now everybody that said that is using it. Yeah, but I mean,
1: I now think, their console is just giant screens. Yeah, I mean exactly. Mm. It is. Yeah, there's no,
2: there's no. That's it. But yeah, you know, I think where I have an issue with it is where we see a lot where it's it seems like people rest on that, fall back on that. Like, well, we got this, so yep. it'll be fine.
1: Fix it mm. in the mix took
2: yeah, on a whole. Right. whole yeah, new it's a different yeah. thing. Yeah. And yeah. I think
0: another thing about it is it's it's like when we're like you talk about music, say. I mean, it's not that long ago, but let's say in the, uh, you know, say in the 50s or something like this, or even earlier, you're talking about like. Uh, a mic or two in a room and a bunch of people, I mean, let's say earlier, let's say the 30s, right? People just like literally gathered around performing live and sort of taking turns moving around, getting closer and further Mm -hmm. from the mic. That's the mix of the fucking recording. That's how it's done. And so it's just all about capturing a live performance. But now that we're in this digital age and you can just do take after take after take without burning any tape up, Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden it's like, okay, well you can do this kind of take and then the guitar player can try a different idea and then they can try another idea and then they can say, oh, wait a second, I've got that acoustic back in in the c- cabin and let me grab that and do this classical yeah. thing on top of it. And so it's like, and then the whole thing ends up being a thing where the magic ends up happening like a movie, like in post-production, <laughs> yeah, you yep, know, absolutely. where, where, and I think that, I think if you approach it that way, now all of a sudden you've got a productive reason to use these tools and not just like, let's try to do it the old way. And then mm-hmm. if it doesn't work, we can fix it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why
1: I love constraints. Even you have to apply them somehow. Right. I mean, so like, yeah, cause what you're talking about, Joe, it's like, uh, There's no limit on tracks. You can be like, you know what? Yeah. I would like to please put a microphone on every piano string. So we're going to need 88 mics. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: you could do it. You can do it. You I can do like that. sensors on each one. I, I, need, I
1: need 88 discrete oh, channels God. of <laughs> piano. And then, uh, you know, just play it like a moron yeah. and we'll figure it out later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So just play it like I it. need more reverb on that middle C. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But, I think you were right when you said something, you know, back, back in those days, in the early days of recording, it was all about the performance. Mm-hmm. Sonics were were secondary because mm-hmm.
0: they were trying to figure yeah. out how to. If you could, if you could get fidelity, if you could make it sound like like the people performing in the room at all, that yeah. was that was great. That was all you were trying. And for As technology it. came yeah.
2: came along, you know, people started. But think about happy accents like Rocket Eighty Eight, you know. Yeah. Um, you know people argue that's the first rock and roll song ever but but what was it the guy's mm-hmm. amp had fallen off the car and yeah, had a hole busted, in it. The, cone whatever, busted right? the cone and all of a sudden you've get, got distortion guitar mm-hmm. um, you know it, those things happy accidents happen less and less anymore mm-hmm. and that that's where that's why I gravitate a lot more to that um, you know music older old people's
1: music I guess older rock and <laughs> yeah. roll like, old, old people's music you know music. anything before you <laughs> and know, it's weird to try that.
0: to like, anything before 2000 <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> I just think it's
1: totally nuts that all of this this whole trajectory that we're talking about happened within uh, essentially the span of one normal human lifetime isn't that crazy yeah. you know like yeah. somebody was born in the 30s yeah like,
0: yeah. you know, I had my Victrola and well, I think we're from a weird generation too, because I think we're the generation where it's like when, I mean, if I may speak for all three of us, like Please. when we're, yeah. we're in our twenties and getting involved with music, it's like I was recording on two inch tape. I was recording oh, on 16 yeah. track. I was recording yeah. on eight track. I was recording on all this stuff. And it's like, uh, and then slowly but surely it's like, Oh, a dat little tiny cassettes. Yeah. All yeah. of, so we get to see like the, the last of the old era, the weird music middle ground era you know all those like weird digital tapes which was very strange yeah and then we're here now but it's like but we, we, we before and after us there's like the people who didn't know any better you yeah, know absolutely. what i mean and, and it's like we we just and i think if, if i think all three of us were probably rather smart about this but i but i think it was it was an interesting time because you had to have the sensibility to be able to be like Oh, I learned how to do this stuff, but I can already see the writing on the wall and this mm-hmm. is gonna change and it's gonna be good for people who wanna do more of this on their own because it's gonna be affordable yep. to do that and you're not gonna need to have these resources anymore because mm-hmm. you're gonna have them for yourself. But I knew lots of people, man, lots of engineers and stuff, and I would be like, Man, I was reading this article, man. I'm gonna have a whole like studio in a computer yep. not that long from now. And they'd just be like, Oh <laughs> no, that's not gonna yeah, happen. man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I can even find tape anymore. I mean is it? <laughs> Make it
2: anymore two-inch tape. I mean, I've got somebody some. You, must. I've got, if you yeah. if you're
1: needing some, I've got some. You <laughs> yeah, can tape yeah. over. <laughs> I
0: Talk to me after the show. You probably find a yeah, machine yeah, yeah. like for, for two hundred dollars. I, I know a guy. He knows a guy.
1: <laughs> I've got I've got a bunch of like yeah, weird like eight eight-track uh, half-inch yeah stuff. You know that like I'm never gonna know what the hell's on those reels, but I can't bring myself to toss them. Yeah. And, yeah, and I don't have a machine for that, and it's just like oh god. It I mean, does, but I mean ultimately the um, everybody else has had we've had to go through all these paradigm shifts whereas if you were born in 2000 you've basically had one mo the digital world oh yeah uh, and all of the things so the the idea of limitless possibility is just always been there i do think it's interesting though how people that are coming up like that they still have a tendency, I think, to look whether they're consciously doing it or not. I think that they're looking back for direction mm-hmm. uh, in some way, you know. Or, or people just that are really educated that are honoring things in the right way, but not like in a placating. Like I'm honoring past music in this modern idiom. But if you look at people like Childish Gambino, oh man, yeah, you know, shit like that, where it's it's like, oh my god, this is the most holistic culmination of the past. Mm-hmm. And the present and the future all in one spot and that's uh, I was actually gonna talk about that you know with these limit, limitless
2: possibilities where I do see that being used uh you know and 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 breaking new ground where it's really hard to break new ground in rock and roll anymore mm-hmm. is uh hip hop and rap music I'm oh, a yeah. huge fan yeah, yeah. and because uh, it's exciting and you know you know there there's so much there are those limitless possibilities but yeah, they are going back and and, and mining and stuff and finding you know stuff from way back using that um, and then just pushing it forward with the technology and, and making something new. I mean rap is still evolving um, yeah. you know it's it's definitely not done yet um,
1: you know whereas you could say rock and roll might be, there's, there's what not else can be done Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard, hard to do more. but uh, It's hard, too, like when you're on the sort of like the like the Greta Van Fleet kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Where you're like, okay, the there's the, the time-space continuum of rock and roll has yeah. now
2: folded onto yeah, itself. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. But I, it's so exciting. And I think that that honestly is, to me, I, I used to teach a class at MTSU called Genre and Style and Popular Music, where mm-hmm. I would teach, you know, glam music one night, and I'd teach, you know, rap music one night. But I would always tell my students, the, the closest thing we have now to that, Country and folk tradition, I think, is rap music. Yeah, oh yeah. Because um, you, people are talking about experience, just like they did back then. And, yeah, and, and, and you know, it's all connected. That's it, a continuum of what was way more yeah, than modern like different country things. music. Yeah. is. yeah. I mean, right. You know, that's 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 not rooted in any reality. Yeah. Um, you know, rap music has an authenticity to it that you don't find, you know, with with guys from you know, singing about working on the railroad or something. It's like, you never fucking worked on a railroad. Like, you know, I don't don't know what band I'm talking about, but I'm sure there's songs about that. No, I think, I think
0: there is. I mean, I think there's a lot of the bands like uh, to use the broad brush. There's a lot of Americana bands that are talking about some kind of legendary American experience. Mm -hmm. That is from, from some nowhere that never even existed. Probably. (laughs) And that's not bad. I mean, I love imagining things and writing songs. Uh, Hey, look, I loved the dark crystal when I was, (laughs) when I was, not when I was ten, I thought that no, was but great. But that's part of it. But then I think, and then I think with commercial country, yeah. it's also the same thing. But it's some kind of contemporary experience that's just as fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, you know, nostalgia can yeah. be dangerous. Yeah. I mean, Frank
2: Zappa would call it death by nostalgia. So that's yeah. how all society's going. Yeah, right. Yeah. But but uh, yeah, I think you're you're right there. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's something people. I mean, there were bands that were able to do that, you know great like the band right exactly yeah, they would, I would, they would say that's these true pictures yeah. with, but yeah. it's very rare uh huh <sighs> a band can do that and be authentic right? and, and yeah. at the same be, time. Yeah. You know, it's like they, they drove yeah. O'Dixie down. They're telling a
0: story that, you know, you can completely immerse yourself yeah. in um, yeah. and you believe and sounds sounds so them, real. right? You believe yeah. them. Yeah, I would say another great example, more contemporary. You're, that is a, gr- that's like the perfect example. The band to me is the greatest no. version of My like somebody who's like consciously throwing back and at the same time doing something that's so immediate and oh, real. Man. Yeah. And it's very difficult. And, um, but somebody else who I think has done a little bit is um, Steve Earle has an album called The Mountain Uh which is like a bluegrass Mm -hmm. album he did and motherfucker I tell you what you listen to that album and it sounds it sounds like he dug up a book from like 1894 Mm -hmm. and they found all these songs no one had ever heard before and recorded them I mean it sounds like that but they're songs he wrote in the present time you know what I mean but it's like it fucking is transcendent bluegrass music that was a Del
2: McCurry band that did that I believe that's right yeah yeah
0: so he's got the real guys playing with him
2: that's for sure I was working with his producer around the time they cut that so I remember being in there and playing it you know that's great but
0: But that album to me is another one where it's like they're consciously throwing back Uh but they're creating original music Music, that's mm-hmm. that's that's as good and powerful yeah. as fucking you know Ralph Stanley. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, I
2: mean, and that's it's rare to do that. You just mm-hmm. don't see it. I mean, you're right about some of these acts. that just, I mean, like they're wearing suspenders and you know talking about a lot you know, of a it's a fashion mob. thing. It's yeah. like. You're yeah, a damn coal mining work. At coffee shop, <laughs> at yeah. like, You just yeah. made my pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, oh, barista. Barista. <laughs> now that might be that's an angle right there, <laughs> exactly. barista, barista.
0: I got folk. them black long coffee blues. down <laughs> yeah. burnt my
1: tongue.
0: <laughs> barista. Yeah. The <laughs> tongue is
2: per- per- permanently
1: burnt. <laughs> I'm, chasing, I'm chasing some Joe volume levels right
2: now. <laughs> I feel like I'm back in the
1: studio. Joe's just man, he's going for it. He's
2: going for McBongo. McBongo. Best, I used to eat best the egg sandwich I ever had.
0: I used to eat the shit out of some McBongo sandwiches. Those are great. I still make those them like $2. at home. It was like yeah. I would get like an egg McBongo and a coffee and it'd be like $3. We'd be back in the kitchen making them, smoking dope out of a carrot. <laughs> 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 the 90s ladies oh, and the gentlemen the 90s were amazing yeah. man we
1: should, we should keep a yeah. tally of how many of our podcast episodes devolve into conversations about food and weed um, <laughs> and I mean, yeah I mean hell <laughs> uh, the finer things yeah, exactly. but so so it's around the corner real quick I just want to kind of get to this other part of it right we've talked about a lot of these other things but just to, at least for a couple minutes I'd love to kind of just go okay where you are now like you've Ooh. been through a few different business ventures and various things that you've gained a lot of uh, momentum them from and then now you are selling properties, and this is a new thing. You are yep. you are you're in the real estate biz, and uh you know, for anybody again, not in Nashville, um everybody should be in real estate. Oh man. For fuck's sake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hot. It's hot. Uh, <laughs> you need a pool. <laughs> but
2: I think it's <laughs> Tell cool. that my bank account.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool, right? You know, in a weird way, I think I see it as kind of correlated in full circle because when you started pursuing music it's like you're you're into this unknown mm-hmm. even when you're in the wildest level of success for what most people would see as success um you're still in this kind of unknown like this could stop oh, yeah. at any moment this could you know so i think there's some how am i gonna eat yeah so i think there's something about this that's that's uh there's, i think there's a through line here about uh i think that you need new challenges and you need had to have a little bit of risk associated to what you're doing in order for it to be satisfying. I think you just nailed it. I mean,
2: it's right, like looking back, you know, I worked in a, I worked at a running store and then I became their marketing director. Um, and then I was poached by a gym to go, which is just crazy. I ended up in fitness somehow and I'm I'm running this uh, this big uh, fitness center over here. Um, but yeah, I felt like I, I was able to, you know, come up with a system where the place ran itself and we were really successful but I would sit in that little closet every day and just be like what am I doing like you know I, I was making
1: really good money you were in the Lollapalooza of the fitness exactly, industry but I'm
2: sitting there like it was a paycheck <laughs> and it was really nice to have financial security yeah. for, for once in my life yeah. um, but then on the other hand like I didn't really relate with the people around me at all yeah. um, and it became there wasn't any room for creativity um, and and it just did my head in, it. And, and 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 you're right. Like for me, a challenge is something that, you know, I'm, I'm constantly wanting to to challenge myself and and chase a challenge, and that's why, you know, real estate. Which I almost got into real estate about 10 years ago. I probably should have, but um, but you know, it is. I'm 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 my own boss. I have to make this happen uh, somehow. Um, and it's scary. It's risky, and and I do thrive on that. I think it makes me yeah. a better person, and, and and my creativity just like. All of a sudden, I'm like, man, I just feel creative again in this world. Um, and this world also is—it's a people game, and I'm a people person. So, I mean, I, I feel more comfortable than I ever did in the fitness world because I'm—you know—a lot of us here are music musicians, mm-hmm. or actors, or yeah. you know. I mean, we come from from a lot of the same backgrounds in a way, and, and
1: I think a lot of us have that same drive for a challenge and yeah. And, and, I, and I don't think that Na- I think that Nashville is unique in the sense that it, it's so common that everybody that's doing something right in front of you used to do something and was really good at that also yeah. and there's a lot of shapeshifting and reinvention that goes on and it's part of i think the spirit of this place that's kind of a an intangible mm-hmm. and i think that uh you know, ultimately, uh, in any other environment, I think there's judgment, right? In a New York city environment, it's kind of like, there's always that weird kind of hedging of like, Oh, you failed at something. And yeah, so yeah. now, Oh, I see now you're, but in Nashville, it's like, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm switching gears and I'm doing this other thing yeah. now. Um, and, and it doesn't mean failure, right? I mean, it's, it's not, it's no. not just,
2: is Some it, people might see it that way, but No. But it's growth. I mean I, I never would have thought
1: at this point in my life I would be No, it's the, have, pra- it's the practical different things, right? Yeah, it's the practical application of self loathing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Exactly right.
2: It's uh Yeah, it's not that world anymore where you go I and mean, I could have never done this, gone and worked at a job for twenty years and got yeah. my watch or fifty years, whatever it is. I that, yeah. that just does my head in and think about it. and I'm not like, you know, people do that and are able to do it and that's great, but that would just never something i could ever see myself doing and then honestly i'm i'm not i'm not good with uh, you know i i've had some bad bosses in the past and that really yes. um makes it hard for me yeah. uh, you know i'm you know i'm like sick of making other assholes money right yeah. um but but yeah, I think in in this day and age, You're like now it's going to make this yeah, asshole. Yeah, this <laughs> asshole is going to wait a minute. When is this asshole? When is this asshole um, but, you know, I tell my my kids, you know, it's, it's the world. You can reinvent yourself as many times as you want, yeah. and, and it only makes you, you know, that much, you know, holistically that much. I don't, I don't know. I, I want to say better of a person, but just more. You know, I feel like I've I'm more well rounded, if you will. I can I can mm-hmm. navigate in different. In different places, you yeah, know what I mean? for and, sure. And it's uh, that's what I love about uh, you know, the, this uh, you know, what's happening now. I guess with that, I mean, of course, people have trouble making money doing just about anything. But you can readmit. You don't have to work that job for. I think it's a years. it's yeah. a particular
1: strain. I mean, I think you know, Joe, you do about nine things. Yeah, that's my limit. No. Nine.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do. I think you're right. I think it's a thing because I know people who you know freelance for a time, and it just became obvious to them. And then when they would talk to me about it, it became obvious to me that they're just like, it's just not my thing, man. Yeah. I, I, want I, I want all the other things mm-hmm. a lot more than I want the benefits of this thing that yeah. comes with all this lack of security and yeah. all this other stuff. Where to me, it's like, I, I feel the opposite. But I think you do have to have like just today some stuff worked out and I'm like, "Oh, and the money's freed up and it's heading this way." And I'm like, "Fuck yeah." And it's like to me it's like <laughs> yeah. that the, that that you know, the that, f- the feast part of the un- family un- is awesome. Untangling yeah. untangling yeah. those text messages to make sure I was going to get my check in the mail. It was yeah. like <laughs> that was a great problem solved and I saw and it feels there's just something about creating your own work essentially and then doing your work and then earning the money for your work. It's almost like being a farmer in uh, the, astral yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, the astral plane, farming the astral oh, plane. This is oh, going to be my struggle, new uh, my new lecture. Download at my website. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: now the struggle is the thing. I think in yeah. a lot of ways yeah. for a lot of us. And I mean, it's funny. I'm going out next week to. Tour manage a friend of mine's book tour. I've never oh, tour cool. managed anything in my life, but I'm gonna. Can you tell us who it is? Uh, Allison Moore. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She just put a book just, out called it, Blood. It just came out. And it's Yeah, yeah. Moore, 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 Moore. Yeah, more-er, more-er, more yes. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's a, it's an amazing book. And I'm you know uh-huh. I played in her band years and years ago. And so a former barista
0: me. who never who never who never succumbed to singing about. Yeah, it.
2: yeah. <laughs> 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 she just man, I mean you know, but she just called me up. Hey. I'm, I want somebody I know out here. Right, so, that's I mean, cool. I've never done it. I'm advancing shows in there, like going. Am I doing this right? But you know, it's just one thing, leads sure. to Something different, you know. And you just you, that's can cool. grab it or not, right? Yeah. Um, How long will you guys be out for? I we just doing like, uh, th- like three.
0: Three weekends, basically. Oh, okay. so it's not yeah. a big, I'm, Right. Know, I, I can imagine. That's one of the best things too about y'all being based in Nashville or anybody yeah. really. It's like you can really just sort of bounce out and bounce back oh, yeah. all you want. I mean, to some degree, you don't I have to think about just getting on the road. Just yeah, like like that. If you're based in Austin, it's like you just have to get on the road to get anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A weekend, I'm good with a weekend,
2: but like oh, yeah. over that, you better be pay me a lot <laughs> of money. <laughs> yeah. Trying try, try
0: to trying
1: to do like bong ribs in the a green room of the Barnes and Noble. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> What the hell what like, where's the, the sharpie bargain. I need to write my name on the wall <laughs> yeah exactly sir they got to draw a dick on the wall actually <laughs> sir this is a
0: Brugger's bagels yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're lining up outside what do we do with these fuckers yeah <laughs> I can't be seen yet <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's interesting. A book tour. She's actually singing in. in most of it's at clubs. So, you know. oh, cool. oh, that's yeah, rad,
0: though. That's really cool. It should
1: be interesting. Yeah, her book's great, so I mean, I'm excited. Well, <laughs> uh, so we, we want to wrap this up, but uh, what we do generally is uh, we just do a little bit quiver round table here of where can people find, like, uh, I, if I'm a person that wants to buy a house, yeah. I'm looking to relocate to Nashville, or I live in Nashville, I want some Nashville real estate You California gold. people listen up. Yeah. Yeah,
2: man. Where can you find... Were you me oh man uh at the bar, no. At, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I've got Instagram accounts at, uh, at Jared sells Nashville. Facebook, Jared sells Nashville. And we'll put all the J A R E D J Reynolds at yeah. villagetn dot com. R E Y N O L D S. Um, oh yeah, I guess email. You can't call an email, <laughs> but, but uh, that's
0: right. J A R E D. Sweet, uh, Joe. You got you got some things going on. I do. Yeah. Um, if you follow me at Mighty Joe Nolan on Twitter or Instagram, you can find out about all this stuff. There's on the ninth of November. I'm going to do a talk with Daniel Holland at Red Arrow Gallery in East Nashville. And he's got a great painting show up right now. We're going to talk all about it at like six o'clock. And then at the same time till nine at Lola Gallery in Inglewood, the Lola Gallery on Instagram. There's an there's a underscore in there somewhere, but you'll find it. The Lola Lola Gallery. There's a show called um, Fight or Flight. Uh, the Investing Investigating the Spectacle of violence. Violence. It's a show that's sort of about uh, combat sports, but it's Sweet. also about like war and refugees and social unrest and all this kind of stuff. Sounds wow, like that sounds life. awesome. Yeah, I have a photograph. Party in that. time. Yeah, I have a photograph in the show. And then uh, the Semi Pro Records, a little label here in Nashville, is putting out a cassette that oh, yeah, goes yeah. with the show love that. called The Tale of the Tape. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know that was the title to so the other that's day. So I good. love that. And I've got a song on that, too. So it's a, it's a one two punch, Brian. That's it's really a good. song <laughs> and a photo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, great. Man,
0: Ooh,
1: uh, yeah. and then um, otherwise, yeah, I've got things or whatever. Um, Where did they a, find a, a film that I, I did a, the score for a documentary film that is going to end up on Netflix? But right now, it's being screened in a few small oh, early cool. screenings, and one of those is going to be in Nashville on November 9th um, so if you just follow me on Instagram at those drones, then you'll see what the hell that's about. We're at, but, uh, it's going to be at the M- It's all part of the MBA art show. Uh, there's a theater presentation that's happening as a part of that. Cause oh. it's a street art film. Uh, it's a really incredible story. The underbelly project and it happened in That's the, the one that we screened, right? Yes. We, we, yeah, we did an early screen of that. So now it's really starting to like pick up, but anyway, so there's that and a bunch of other shit and whatever. So that's the
0: ninth as well. So the, yeah. like the second Saturday, that's going to be a busy time.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, and there's probably other things, but whatever. But hey, Jared, man, I really appreciate man, it. I man, I love it. This is so fun. Can we spend a couple more hours talking about me? Is that okay? With yeah. That? <laughs> Extend this podcast? Yeah. This is uh, This is just how we get people in. It's kind of like how you did at your fitness center. It's like, no, yep. come on in for free. It's <laughs> fine, dude. And then the next time, I'd be like, it's $50. <laughs> it's $50. You want to come talk about your project? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Love it. If you want this therapy, you got to pay. <laughs> uh, but anyway, cool. And then uh, maybe um, uh, we'll see you i guess on the road soon with ben folds or something i don't know about that Uh, (laughs) what what if you did right man that'd be something why are we playing led zeppelin covers yeah (laughs) uh anyway all right well thanks for having me yeah man thanks a lot man good good to see you again good oh yeah man and uh sensei joe you're the man all right thanks everybody talk to you soon
0: Hey guys, I love the Art Fight Podcast and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help?
1: Go to anchor.fm forward slash Podcast. Click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast. And once you get there, you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast click on support this podcast all right thanks everyone